Well, I feel I have to start the sermon pulling that face in light of the uh, mug with my uh, face on it that that Lizzie uh, showed. If you ever want to know where that mug lives, it's in the Houghton Vicarage of all places, but there we go. Well, I hope uh, that we all uh, between us know what it is like to have a good day. Perhaps it's a kind of day when you get everything done that you wanted to get done. When you feel like you've made some, some proper progress on something at work. Or maybe you've done something in the house or the garden, you stand back from it and you can just see the impact that you've had. Perhaps it's the kind of day where the things that make most days hard for you just seem to give you a break for a change. Or perhaps it's as simple as there being calm and harmony in your household. You see, there are good days, aren't there? And then there are very good days. Perhaps it's celebrating, passing your exams, your driving test, a wedding day, the birth of a child in your family, a special day out, a trip to London, to Paris, to the seaside, maybe a holiday, somewhere you've always dreamed of going. It could be a birthday, a big anniversary. Very good days stand out, don't they? Very good days are things you celebrate by doing things differently. You give extra attention to the details whether it's balloons, decorations, or champagne. Well, in our reading this morning, we hear at the end of verse 25 that um, God is having a good day. We read, God made the animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And reading through Genesis chapter 1 so far, you you might expect there to be a few more details or just to wrap things up by saying, and there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. But things don't end at this point, do they? There are a load more details to come in the verses to come. It's beginning to tell us that this isn't just a good day. This could be a very good day. We notice things happen a bit differently. Um, So far through Genesis chapter 1, God has said, let there be. Now he says, let us. God is doing something special, something different, something really personal, something that ends in verse 31, the verse after the end of our reading, where God looks at all he's made and says, it is very good. So what is it that turns God's good day into something very good. Well, we can read about it in verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. God creates people. He creates you. He creates me. The opening verses to Genesis chapter 1 help us to see who God is. It's what we heard last week, that he's eternal, that he's trinity, that he's loving, that he's powerful, and that he is the one to be worshipped. But as we turn to these final verses of Genesis chapter 1, we see what it means to be human. And this morning we're going to hear two things about what it means to be human, that we are made in the image of God, and that we are made to be fruitful. We're made for relationship and responsibility. We are prized and we have a purpose. So first, we are made in the image of God. Verse 27. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created the male and female, he created them. Now, there are no shortage of answers given uh, to the question, what does it mean to be made in the image of God? One answer that seems to have been written off is, is that we somehow physically look like God. But there's an endless list of what it could mean. Perhaps it's, it's because we're creative or can appreciate beauty. Maybe it's uh, that we are caring or are moral, that we have intelligence, that we are spiritual, relational. It could involve all sorts of those things. But I think there is one thing that it's worth us looking more closely at. See, if we flick on a couple of pages in the Bible or or scroll down in our Bibles to to Genesis chapter 5, we get the account of Adam's family line. And we read in Genesis chapter 5, verse 3, that when Adam had lived 130 years, he had a son. And it says, in his own likeness, in his own image, and he named him Seth. It's the same language, isn't it? It's the language of a parent-child relationship. And it seems to me that to be made in the image of God is to be made for a parent-child relationship with God. Or if you, if you like, if I take it a bit further, that we have been created to know and experience God as Father. God creating is an extension, an overflow of the love that God the Father has shown to God the Son in the presence and unity of the Holy Spirit through all eternity. And for that to be shared out to others. And I think it's why we read in verse 28 that the first thing that God does, the people he's made, is to bless them. And this is good news. It tells us that we don't have to decide who we are. We don't have to invent who we are. We don't have to look deep inside to find out who we truly are. We are, you are made in the image of God. You are made to know and experience God as Father. You are precious and you are prized. And I suspect there are more than a few people who need to hear that this morning. Don't despair. You are prized. The flip side of this, the other side of it, is that absolutely nobody, no one, should be devalued. Whether it's to do with ethnicity or educational background, whether it's to do with physical ability or intellectual ability, sexual orientation or life experience, whether you're in the womb or in a hospice bed, whether you're a woman or a man, as we're told, in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Part of being created in the image of God is that we are created male and female. And when Genesis was uh, originally uh, written, this was game-changing for the culture of the ancient Near East. And, you know, it continues to challenge our culture now, the culture we live in, but also the culture of our church, including our own church. Male and female together are to be prized. Because together they are made in the image of God. One is not superior to the other. They are to be prized together. And so the experiences women have that that suggest they are less important or have less to offer, or when men experience that there isn't a place for them, or what they think doesn't matter, none of that honours each other as being made in the image of God. Well, the challenge of these words, I think, reaches further into our, our world around us at the moment. 
Because they say that being a man or a woman is something given to us by God and not something that's decided by us. And I want to step really carefully here. Not just because this is a significant topic in our world at the moment, but there will be many of us, including myself, who know and love someone who has the experience in their life where they are wrestling with a disconnect of who they feel they are and what their physical body says. Or it might not just be somebody you know and love. This might be your experience. See, there are these stories that it's so important for us to listen to and to recognize the the pain and the, the, distru- the distress and, and the confusion that's involved. Yes, I think the Bible shows us that male and female is something given by God. But the pages of the Bible also break stereotype after stereotype of what it means to be male and female. And the Bible goes on to show us that our experience of living in this world is not as it should be. And that involves how we feel about our bodies. These are big things. And so gender and identity is something we actually want to spend a bit more time thinking about as a church family. And we're going to return to it in more depth in the autumn. But let me say right now that whatever your experience of life, you have been made in the image of God. You are prized, and you're not to be devalued. So these verses in Genesis first tell us that we are made in the image of God. And secondly, they tell us that we are made to be fruitful. We read on in verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Do you see, we're not left to do whatever we want. We are made to be fruitful. Last week, we saw in the opening verses of Genesis 1 that God is the one to be worshipped. He is the creator. He's to be worshipped. And often when we hear the word worship, we think of what goes on in a church building. We think of singing. Worship includes those things it's never less than that, but it's, it's so much more than that. These verses show us that, that true worship is about being fruitful. It's about increasing in number. It's about filling the earth and subduing it. It's about ruling. This goes beyond just having babies, although I think that's, that's part of it. Uh, and it's part of the reason why God has made us male and female. But to be, to be fruitful is to have the responsibility to develop the incredible potential that God has put into his creation. To make the most of all that God has has put here in a way that reflects and honours him as the creator. And it it means work in in the broadest sense, not just what you might be paid at some points to do, but work in in the broadest sense is a good thing. Just take the washing up, for example. Is there not a sense of subduing the dirty cutlery, of creating order out of chaos, and in many times, an opportunity to serve other people? We are made to be fruitful. 
But my experience, your experience says that something's gone wrong. You smash a plate whilst you're washing up. You have days that aren't good days, but they're frustrating, or they're dull, or they're just difficult. And instead of subduing the world, we've actually stomped all over it, and we've warmed it up, and we've used it up. We are able to do some of the most incredible things. Just this week, was it NASA flew a helicopter on Mars? That's pretty impressive, isn't it? And yet we hear the verdict from the US of uh, the trial of the, the white police officer found guilty for murdering uh, a black man, George Floyd, by kneeling on his neck. Made to be fruitful. Our experience says something's gone wrong. We're, we're made in the image of God, but yeah, my experience, your experience says something has gone wrong because we, have, we find we, we have to reach for labels to define who we are so that people value us. Or we experience other people giving us particular labels to describe us, to devalue us. We're made in the image of God. We're made to be fruitful. But that image has been marred and that purpose has been frustrated. I wonder if you remember about just over two years ago, uh, April 2019, Notre Dame Cathedral, the Catholic Cathedral in Paris, caught fire. This centuries-old cathedral, considered to be one of the finest examples of French Gothic architecture, on fire. Now, I've, I've never been to Paris. I've never seen um, this cathedral. But I imagine in its, in its heyday, in its glory, it was the kind of place you would walk into. You would look up and just go, wow. Because it's, it's glorious. And yet, just over two years ago, as the fires put out, you'd have walked in there and seen it in ruins. A building you can still tell was once glorious is now ruined. Isn't that a picture of us? Made in the image of God, made to be fruitful, glorious. And yet, as we will see in Genesis 3, sin enters the world, enters our lives, and its impact is far-reaching. We are ruins. We are glorious ruins. After the fire at Notre Dame, there was the, the great announcements that uh, this cathedral would be restored. It was not going to be left as it was. And the storyline of the Bible, following on from these chapters, is a similar restoration announcement. God's covenant commitment to a great restoration project, not of bricks and mortar, but of people through Jesus. Jesus, the one who in Hebrews uh, chapter 1 is described as the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. Jesus is the most glorious one. And yet he experienced the greatest ruin on the cross for us. And yet, three days later, he was raised to life, a new life that he graciously and willingly and generously offers to share with you and with me. And it's a new life that in Colossians 3 is described as, uh, as a new life we have to put on. Because it's being renewed in knowledge. And just listen to the next description. In the image of its creator. 
It's life, knowing and experiencing God as Father because we are connected to Jesus. It doesn't mean our difficulties of life are suddenly deleted, but it does mean there is no experience of life that can take away who you are and whose you are. It's a life of fruitfulness. Our work, whatever that looks like, still matters. Our character matters. It doesn't mean there won't be bad days at work. It won't mean there aren't bad character moments in our life. But more and more of our life will glimpse Jesus and his kingdom to others. So that there might be the fruit of new disciples. People receiving from Jesus that renewed image. That renewed purpose. And God using us in that. Big thing to hear from these verses in Genesis 1 for us this morning. You are made in the image of God. You're prized. You are made to be fruitful. You have a purpose. And that in Jesus Christ, where that has all gone wrong, it is renewed. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are the almighty creating God. You are eternal and loving and powerful and the one to worship. Thank you for showing us that the high point of creation is people being made in your image to be fruitful, to know you and to reflect you. Lord, would you help us not just to rediscover that but to receive it again from Jesus, where your image has been marred in us, where our purpose has been frustrated. And Jesus, would you renew that? And may we be a fruitful people for you until that day and when all creation is made new. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.